0: Amen. Well, it is good to be here, Brother Vols, Thank you for the good preaching, and Brother Ronnie, thank you for letting us come and be in the meeting here this year. Good to see everybody. And uh, I know if you're standing where I was, you'd be as nervous as I am. And uh, great preachers here, good good men of God, great Bible preachers, and all that. And uh, I never get to where I'm not nervous. Um, want to get up. Brother Epps, good to see you back there. I didn't know you was back there. And um, great joy to be saved, isn't it? Amen. To know the Lord, just to know you've passed from death to life. Amen. have the life of God living in you. And uh, you can't produce the life of God. You can't in your best efforts. You can't produce the life of God. Most of these fallen from grace people have got things confused They think living gives life, but living don't give life. Life gives living. If you don't have life, you can't live. Every human being's begotten the same way, and they got life the same way, but they all don't live the same way. But some folk think that living gives you life. But I'm glad that life gives you your living. Amen. In him was life. Yes. And the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. But I'm glad one day, thank God God let us see the life and the light and we got the life. Amen. Well, I want you to turn to Isaiah fifty-two and fifty-three. We've not heard from that in a while. I was praying this week. I wanted to call Brother Voyles, of course he's a dear friend, and uh, ask he and I to agree to pray together that God would help our messages each night link up. And I thought, well, I'll just pray and leave that up to the Lord. And then when he got up and said Isaiah fifty-three, I swallowed real hard, and I thought I don't have but one outline in my Bible. And if he preaches that, I'm going to slip out the side and act like I'm sick. And uh, now when I was his age, I preached hard too. But so I'm going to let him each night just rear back and shell the corn and I know he will. And so I'm going to just take my time and deal where I believe with all my heart will be the mind of God. And if I can't do that, I'd rather do nothing if it's not the mind of the Lord. Good to see some old friends. Brother Keith, good to see you. I was telling our church yesterday, and then I'll read the text and try to bring what I believe to be the mind of the Lord tonight. Isn't it wonderful, Brother Ray, that we still meet in God's family? I went to the church I'm at right now 31 years ago this coming Wednesday. I moved to the area. And uh, the first service, one of the deacons got up and he said, before Brother Buster preaches today, I'd like for everybody in the crowd to tell their name. And so they started one by one. I'm so-and-so, I'm Brother Tip, I'm so-and-so, I'm I'm Brother Jonathan, I'm Miss Lyndon, so on and so on and so on. And they got done, and I didn't know one name, didn't remember a name. You can't take in a hundred names that quick. And all I done, when I got done, all I was was confused. And I wonder sometimes when we get to heaven, as we sit around the marriage table before we ever have the supper, the Lord would just say, let's just all take a moment to introduce our stuff." We stand one by one and we say, I'm so and so. And throughout the, the globe of time and history, we get acquainted with all of God's family. We know each other in a way we've never known each other. it be a wonderful time. Isaiah 52. I'm very humbled to be here. Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, I mean, stop, study, and look very intently. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high as many were astounded thee his visage was more or so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men so shall he sprinkle many nations The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Chapter 53, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, as we just heard so eloquently? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we should see him, shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Nothing that I'll say tonight, you've not heard said or said yourself many times. But if I've ever wanted to just exalt him, it's a desire of my heart tonight. I'm convinced if we don't see Him, we'll not be helped. I want to preach something I've never preached. God dealt my heart with this the other day. I put it together so it's fresh tonight in my heart as well as yours. Let's bow to pray. Father, dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge your presence right now. Lord, I acknowledge God that you are among us and with us and have a desire for us. Lord, I did not come, if I know my heart, with one intent to entertain, nor God to exalt myself or anyone else but you. Lord, do not please, oh, God, please, in Jesus' name. Lord, before we exit this meeting this week, may our hearts become so acquainted anew with you, who you are, and God, what you are and what you want to do. Lord Jesus, tonight I plead that you would hide myself, God, tonight behind the cross and and wrap me up in Jesus and help me to speak. God, not for me, but for you, and God, for the help of these men and women, boys and girls, God, that's traveled many for miles, Lord, to give some help for their soul. Please help us, I pray, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to call your attention to verse 13 through 15 in our text. And he makes mention in verse 14, as many were astounded at thee. I want to preach on a few minutes on astounded. Astounded at the sight of the crucified one. The gospel of the Old Testament is spoken probably more here than anywhere else in the Old Testament. We see the truth of God's suffering servant and God's substitutionary sacrifice and God's satisfying Savior. Uh, The Holy Ghost uh, moves Isaiah to speak to Israel not only about their temporal redemption from the deliverance of the Babylonian captivity, which the issue has been from chapter 40, to move to the eternal redemption of the sinner, pictured from the redemption of the Babylonian captivity, moving to God delivering man from the power of sin and Satan and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Isaiah 653 is no doubt the heart of the gospel. Brother Boyle made mentioned that uh, he caught a glimpse, Isaiah caught a glimpse of Calvary some 750 years before the event. And I'm not going to debate the subject tonight. I know you know that uh, this by the Jewish standards is the nation Israel suffering. We know that's not true. This is the Lord Jesus suffering on the behalf, dying as a substitute in the place of, in the stead of poor, misguided, lost wandering, helpless, and hopeless, heart-aching sinners. Amen. Amen. A lot could be said, but I want to pass it by. Every writer of the New Testament in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, say that this scripture applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said even himself... Even himself, Jesus said, when he was up on the cross, he said that the things that uh, concerning me have an end. And he made mention of... Uh, the transgressors as Isaiah said and so on and so on Peter said uh, that this verse of scripture applies to the Lord Jesus Paul said that it applies to the Lord Jesus and then Philip the evangelist uh, uh, going along that day as that uh, Ethiopian eunuch uh, read him said can you tell me who this is about and he began at that place thank God Isaiah 53 and he preached unto him Jesus thank God and so it's about Jesus and so Isaiah said if you ever see him you'll be astounded at him I want to preach tonight on three or four things I don't know if I could possibly get through it but if the Lord would help us Uh, talking about Jesus as the servant of God now let me stop a minute. That, that term in itself could be very easily uh, misunderstood or looked at as a demeaning term to be a servant. But oh Jesus, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, thank God, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give himself a ransom for many. Hey, one of the greatest truths in the Bible would be to be a servant of God. Amen. So let's look at this text a minute. Let me say number one, we ought to be astounded at the sight of the humiliation of God's servant. The humiliation of God's servant, Acts eight thirty three said this: In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. That word humiliation means lowness. It means to make someone feel ashamed and foolish by uh, by injuring their dignity and their self respect publicly. Oh, how man humiliated the Son of God, the day of all days. Oh, dear God, please, in Jesus' name, help us get a sight tonight of what the dear Son of God, how humiliated it's not just to be humbled, but it's to have His dignity stripped from Him, to have His very glory, His very honor stripped from Him, and to be made less than a man and treated with less dignity than a man. So he said as many were astonished. Look at what he said in verse 14. His vigus was more marred than any man, his form more than the sons of men. May I talk about just a minute the humiliation of his appearance? The humiliation of his appearance. He's unrecognizable. Oh, I wish I had the ortability of an angel tonight to try to describe what uh, what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ. His visions was that word "visions" means sight, and it means more than just his face. When you think about the word "visions," your mind wants to go to just the looks of his face, but the word implies his entire appearance, uh, what he looked like, uh, how he, his shape of his body. Uh, It means uh, every aspect of his being is marred. It's disfigured. It's distorted. It's defaced. His shape, his form, his outline, his figure don't even look like a man. Amen. Help me God tonight. He don't even look like a man. Oh my soul. To think, to think, that the God of heaven, to think that the God of heaven would allow His Son to be so brutally treated, amen, that I thank God could miss the wrath of God and be made a child of God. Oh, thank God, 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 thank God God for it. More than any man he don't look like a man. Think with me a minute. If this means literally what it says, more than any man Roman soldiers had been on the battlefield and they'd seen men beat and bloody and broken and beat up. And yet this says that Christ was more marred than any man ever had been. I don't think we ever have begun to imagine what the Son of God looked like in His bodily appearance. Let me try to just magnify this a little bit. What was it? We think of just Calvary. And of course that's right. But what was it that uh, caused Him to look so emaciated so marred, so deformed. I believe first it was his burdens that he had carried. Amen. The stress, the load that he had carried must have broke him down. I've seen people when... uh uh, that trouble come and sickness come and death come and children uh, were sick. Uh, I've seen burdens uh, uh, break their frame uh, and they, they, it put wrinkles on their face. Uh, amen. Help me, dear God, tonight. Have you ever thought about the Lord Jesus? Probably didn't eat right. I'm going somewhere with every bit of this. He didn't eat good food. He had nowhere to lay his head. Even the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a house to live in. He didn't have a bed to sleep in. He didn't have good food to eat. Amen. I mean, son, he probably looked worse. I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. He probably looked worse than some of these uh, tin- cup beggars on the street corners or the eggs that you pull off the roads. They're frail, and their bodies broken. Amen. And their skin doesn't look good. Amen. Oh, the Son of God, help me God tonight. The Son of God slept under the trees. Amen. And uh, didn't eat good. His visions, his very looks, the very burdens that he had borne from poverty and misery made his body frail, and emaciated, listen at me a minute, yet, friend, prolonged sorrow gives grief and leaves the marks of disfigurement on the human frame. There were sorrows had removed color from his face, put wrinkles on his skin, stooped his human body, and take up the life and luster from his eyes. Amen. He was burdened by night in Gethsemane and by day. Oh, listen to me. Oh, listen to me a minute. Many of you have carried your children, your sons, and your daughters, mamas and daddies on your heart lost without God. And you know the burden that it carries in your soul. Think about, think about the dear Lamb of God carrying the load of the whole world upon His heart. Oh, the hand must have broke his frame. Not only his burdens, but there was his beatings. I really want to take the time to show you, but maybe I won't do that. In John 18, they struck him with the palm of his hand. Now I'm talking about a, a man that had, had hard hands slipped, stood back and slapped him through the face. Stay with me, I know where I'm ahead of thought is. They spat on him and then they slapped him again. The Bible said they buffeted him in Pilate's hall and before Caius. That word buffeted means to take the fist and hit him with the fist. Amen. And then they took him and they scourged him. And you know the story with what we would call or we've been taught to call the cat nine tails, a long bullwhip type thing with uh, at least three uh, strips of leather, 36 inches maybe long, with bone and metal in the end of them and pieces of rock. Amen. Stay with me. Amen. And every time it hit, it bruised the body. And it jerked flesh. That bone would jerk literally pieces of flesh from the body. And I've read that when that, uh, that uh, flagation was over, that you could probably from behind, you could probably see the lungs expanding. And the entrails could be seen. And there he stands having been slapped and punched and spit on And then they take him out there and they beat him and they beat him some more until his back is laid open and uh, blood's probably not just running but it's probably squirting. I mean, a sight that is impossible to define or describe and the writer said that when it's over, He don't even look like a man. His eyes are swollen, almost shut. His lips are beat till they're puffy and swollen. His nose is caked with blood his eyebrows, and his face. And he said, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. Amen. And here he stands. I'm astounded at the sight of the humiliation of the Son of God. Angels must have trembled. And then they sunk a crown of thorns. Oh, stay with me a minute. You know the story, but just stay with me. They sunk the crown of thorns down over his head. And the spikes are pushed into his brow. Amen. But may I say, he was unrecognizable. But the Bible said he was also uncomely. He said he hath no form nor comeliness. That word comely means ornament, splendor. Honor, majesty, glory or magnificence, excellence or goodness. The the glory cloud is not over his head now. There's nothing uh, that uh, makes you look like this is even possibly the Son of God. Help me God. There's nothing that would even remind you that this would be the suffering servant of god he's uncomely he's been stripped of all his honor he's been stripped of all his glory he's been stripped of the cooper of all his of all his dignity he's uncomely he's ugly He's deformed in shape. That not only is in his humiliation, he was unrecognizable and uncomely. But the Bible said he was undesirable. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Help me, Lord. Webster says the meaning of the word beauty is a combination of qualities such as shape, color, or form that pleases the senses. He said it means to be sightly in appearance. It speaks of physical, external looks. No desirable qualities are about him here. He's not strong like Hercules. He doesn't have a voice like an orator. He, he, he doesn't command a legion of fighting soldiers. He doesn't have the masses bound before him and followers that are loving him. He's dejected, rejected, and subjected unto those men that have him under his control. He's become a nothing and a nobody as far as the world can see That word desire means literally to covet, to take pleasure in. It speaks of a strong feeling of wanting something or something to hope for or to long for. It's nothing about Christ that anybody would say, I want him. I'd like to be his friend. I'd like to take him into my house Nothing. He's unrecognizable. He's uncomely. He's undesirable. And as far as you look at him, he's been—he's been, he's been de- not desired by any human being. I'm astounded when I look at him. I'll be honest. I have tried in my mind to imagine him. This is the image of God's suffering servant. Humiliated by the hands of wicked sinners. Rejected and resisted. Mocked and misused. Abused and abhorred. Beaten, battered, bruised and bloody. Accused of being a wine-bibber and a glutton. A friend of sinners uh, and in league with Satan. Dying because, thank God, of our sins. The angels must cringe as they looked at him. Totally naked now, hanging on a cross. Stripped, striped, scorned, spat on, face swollen and sad, feet and hands with five to seven inch spikes in them, back beaten, lungs showing. Intestines about to fall out. Tears in his eyes. But a prayer on his lips. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I'm astounded at the sight of the humiliation of God's servant. But back up from verse 14 to verse 13 a minute. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted. Not am I astounded at the sight of his humiliation, but I'm astounded at the sight of his exaltation. Amen. Amen. This very one that nobody desires and nobody sees anything good about him that all about him has been lost in the outward appearance. Amen. But God says yet this very one will be exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me catch my breath a minute. I recently read the story of G. Campbell Morgan. How many of y'all knows that name? The old British preacher, G. Campbell Morgan. One of the greatest expositors of scripture that England ever produced. He had no abilities to preach. Stay with me a minute. And so in those days in England when you... Wanted to get your license and become an ordained preacher. You had to, you had to prove yourself. So they got G. Campbell Morgan in the front of a thousand-seat auditorium. 70 well-known Bible expositors and Bible teachers, and said, Now you're going to prove yourself to see if you can get your license to preach. G. Campbell Morgan got up and done his best. They took it in consideration. Two weeks later, he got a note that only had one word written on it. Rejected. Sad, lonely, and heartbroken, he sent a wire to his father that said, Dear Dad, rejected. His daddy sent him a note back That said, Son, rejected on earth, but received in heaven. What a picture of God's dear Son, rejected on earth, but thank God, received. Received in heaven. Oh my. Exalted. It means to be raised up. To be lifted up. To be high and lofty. To be set on high. To be promoted. This is the same word used in Isaiah 6.1 where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. God said, You may look at this one. Stay with me. You may look at this one that's been despised and rejected and beat and mocked and nothing recognizable about him and nothing uh, comely about him and nothing desirable about him. I'll tell you what I'm going to do with him. God said, I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to promote him. I'm going to put him in a position. Oh yes. Nobody ever humbled themselves like Christ humbled himself. And therefore, nobody will ever be exalted like God will exalt his son. He that will obey himself will be exalted. And no man ever obeys himself as Christ obeys himself. And therefore, no man will ever be exalted as Christ was exalted. He's saying this He will be as exalted as he was humiliated. Behold, my servant, he shall be exalted. Stay with me. He was so humiliated, demoralized, misused, and abused. How could one so marred be so magnified? Amen. What appeared in the eyes of man to be total defeat was in the eyes of God total victory. Amen. May I say this servant is going to get his honor back. He's going to get his dignity back. He's gonna get his glory back. He's gonna get his beauty back. He's gonna get his honor back. Hey, man! Everything you lost on earth, he's gonna get back. Thank God. God's gonna highly exalt him. May I say, his satisfaction exalted God. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. May I say tonight, and I'd like to plug in about two hours on this, but may I say tonight, everything he did pleased God. Amen. Amen. I do always, he said, John eight twenty nine. I do always those things that please him. Would you help me out there? John four thirty four. my meets to do the will of him that sent me and finish his word. John 5, 30, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment's true because I seek not my own will but the will of the Father which sent me. I came down from heaven not to do my will but the will of him, thank God, that sent me. Stay with me, y'all out there. May I say his life satisfied God. His speech, his submission, his spirituality, everything he did pleased God. Amen. They ain't the best of us in this building tonight. They ain't a one of us can say that everything we ever did pleased God. Fact is, when it comes down to the end of the way, it will probably be that most of us done more to displease God than we ever did to please God if we could see as God sees. His labor pleased God. I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self for the glory I had with thee before the world was. His life pleased God. His labor pleased God. His lamentations pleased God. He said in uh, John 11, he said, uh, and they took the stone away there and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father... I know that you always heard me. His likeness pleased God. Being in the form of God. Amen. He that has seen me has seen God. Amen. Being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the the manifest visible appearance of the invisible God. His likeness pleased God. But listen to this, I wished I could put this out there the way the Holy Ghost put it in my heart. His love pleased God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul with all thy mind, all thy spirit. Love him with everything you are. Then he said in Matthew 5, he said that I came not to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it till heaven and earth pass away. Not one jot and one tittle of the law in any wise past will all be fulfilled. He's the only human being, the only human being that could ever say I loved the Father with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my spirit, I loved him with my life. I loved him in my death. I loved him every and my lamba everything I did. I loved him. I'm saying God exalted him because he satisfied the Father. Let me, let me stop just a minute. I can't get across this. I was going to deal with it later, but let me just get now. You remember that verse of scripture in Philippians chapter two. He said, wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him. You remember that verse of Scripture? You ever think about that word, wherefore? I want you to listen at me closely. God did not exalt Christ because of his sonship. God didn't exalt Christ because he's his son. He exalted Christ because of his stewardship. He talked about because he became a servant and became obedient unto death. And because of that servanthood and that obedience unto death, because of his stewardship, God hath also highly exalted him. God didn't say I'm exalting him because he's my son. I'm exalting him because of the way he satisfied me and glorified me with his life. A lot could be said... A lot could be said. He satisfied God. Listen, God exalted him because of his satisfaction. But God exalted him by his resurrection. Help me now. I told you, wasn't none of this you ain't preached before. He exalted him to a throne. Sat down. Oh, the many verses. Sat down. You know where he's at tonight, don't you? You know where he's at tonight, don't you? He's sitting on the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. Amen. You know the reason he's got that throne? Because, thank God, of his stewardship, God gave him the right hand. God gave him the place of dignity. Listen, I want you to get it. Isaiah said, when I see him, I'm astounded. I'm astounded that one who was so low It's going to become so high. He's going to have a throne. Not only exalted him with a throne, he exalted him with a title. He's given him a name that's above every name. That is the name. That is the name. Of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess to God. Amen. God's exalted him with a throne. But then, thank God, God exalted him with a title. But God exalted him with a trust. A trust. He said, son, all that I give you, I'm putting them in your hands and I'm trusting you to let none of them be lost. And he said in John 6, this is the will of the Father that all that see me And hear me! I'll give them everlasting life. And he said, "I'm going to raise every one of them up at the last day." Amen. Not one. Thank God. Not one that ever got under the blood. Not one that ever got born again. One that ever fall by the wayside. There'll never be one slipping to hell. He'll keep every one of them. Thank God. God said, "I'm going to give you a throne. I'm going to give you a title. I'm going to give you a trust." that you will keep every one of them. Amen. He's put all things under his feet. Amen. Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Nobody will ever have a throne bigger than his throne. Satan tried to get it one day and God kicked him out and they ain't going to be another to get it. There'll never be another in all eternity with a title like he's got. There'll never be another can say, I kept myself, I kept my soul. It's kept, thank God, by the power of God through faith unto salvation, praise the Lord. Hey, man. Oh, I'm trying to disjunk a little of this. Let me say a third thing quickly. Astounded at the sight of the humiliation of God's Son, verse 14. Astounded at the sight of the exaltation of God's Son. But I'm astounded at the sight of the adoration of God's Son. He shall be exalted and extolled. And that word extolled, the word, the word exalted speaks of his position. But the word extolled speaks of his praise. He's never been too extolled in this world. You know, you can be exalted and yet not be extolled. King, uh, I thought his name, was it Hussein, is that right? Uh over there, that they tore that old, that old statue down over in the racks. of he He was, he was exalted, but his own people didn't extol him. But Isaiah said, "Brother Keith, Isaiah said I saw him. I was, I was astounded when I looked at how he looked, how he's beaten and battered, and didn't even look like a man. What is he was unrecognizable, unwanted, unloved, undesirable." Nobody wanted him. He said, but I kept looking at him and I was astounded at how somebody could be so humiliated, could be so exalted. Then he said, I was astounded, astounded at how he got extolled. He said, I kept watching until millions bowed before him and began to worship him. Amen. This same one whose lips was beat up and his face was bruised and his back was bleeding and his lungs was exposed and his entrails was about to fall out and nobody loved him and nobody liked him and nobody wanted him but God got him up from the dead and exalted him and thank God. Amen to God. Now many millions are extolling him. Help me. He's extolled. That word extolled means to praise enthusiastically. Does that sound like you? To praise enthusiastically. I've got people I've been to my church 31. I never heard him, I never heard him grunt a grunt. I'll tell you, if you see Brother McCulley, if you see this one who was treated like a nobody. Who God raised him up and made an everybody. And then he saved your soul. And he don't look too much outwardly to the world. But thank God when you see him inwardly, you see who he is. And you see what God's done with him. Praise God. He's extolled enthusiastically by the ranks of angels. I heard the angels in heaven, John said. Saying worthy, worthy, holy, holy, holy. He's esteemed. If you could go to heaven right now, you'd hear the angels. The ranks of angels. They'd be praising him. I'm, I'm telling you, they'd be, Miss Willie, they'd be praising him. Amen. The angels would be singing songs like you've never heard. We've heard some good singing tonight, but buddy, we're waiting for the best song we ever heard when the angels gets to singing. And praise God he gets, you get one of them I can't help it spells on. And you just join in. Amen. Amen. Not only is he praised by the ranks of angels, he's praised by the redeemed of the ages. All the redeemed. From Abraham a kick in. Amen. Noah kick in, thank God. You hear the saints and the martyrs kick in. You hear the apostles and the disciples kicked in. You hear the redeemed of all the ages start saying worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and praise for he hath redeemed us unto God by his blood. Out of every kindred people, tribe, tongue, and nation. Made us kings and priests unto our God. And we shall reign on the earth with him. Thank God. And the redeemed of all the ages starts extolling him. Isaiah said, "I, I was astounded when I heard all of that extolling by the ranks of the angels, by the redeemed of the ages, those in heaven Those on earth. Last time you seen Jesus on earth was in Luke 23. The final word you really get about him is not Acts 1. The real final word is in Luke 23. Luke said as he went away, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. As he was going away, you know what you got there, don't you? When the festivals ended, At the end of the day, that old high priest would lift up his hands and he would say, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. It was the benedictory blessing of the great high priest. Amen. And in Luke 23... As he's headed back to heaven, he's got his hands out as the great high priest and he's pronouncing the final benedictory blessing over the people of God. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Amen to God. And thank God those in heaven's blessing him. Those in the earth is blessing him. But John said, I listened a little while longer in Revelation 5 and he said, I heard them under the earth. I don't know about all that, but that's what he said. Them in heaven, them on the earth, and them under the earth. John said, Then it got so good. He said, I heard every creature, praise God, blessing the Lord, and said, Worthy. Thank God if they're sent in heaven, and they're sent on the earth, and under the earth, if the ranks of the angels and the redeemed of the ages are doing it. I thank, bless God, tonight it would behoove you and I to do a little bit of it right here and right now ourselves. Amen. Amen. John was astounded, or Isaiah was astounded. He was astounded at the sight of the humiliation of God's Son. He was astounded at the sight of the exaltation of God's Son. He's astounded at the sight of the adoration of God's Son. But he's astounded at the sight of the purification of God's Son. Look what he said in verse 15. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Amen. This same one that was rejected, he said he's going to sprinkle a few from every nation. A few going to be redeemed. And when you get to heaven, you write it down. There'll be somebody representing every nation. Amen. Amen. They got exalted and they got purified rather from the one who had been exalted by God. Lastly, and I'm done. He was astounded at the sight of the proclamation of God's Son. Look at verse 15. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouth at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they have not heard shall they consider. And Paul quoted that verse of scripture in Romans chapter ten. He quotes this very verse of scripture. Uh, Romans 16, I think it is. And he said he didn't when, when Paul quoted it, he didn't say they shall consider. He said that which they see not and heard not shall they understand. Isaiah said, Look here, and I'm done this? said, Brother Ronnie, he said as I kept looking, he kept listening, he said, I'm astounded at how his name was the name that was preached throughout the world. Amen. And the world heard his name. Amen. And he said, eventually, now listen at me, don't get tore up here. Eventually, he said, the very kings of the earth You mean? You mean that Jesus that was beat, Brother Ronnie, and mocked and rejected, hated and despised, had his face bruised and battered and bleeding; his face, his back lacerated and laid open, hair plucked from his face. And the Bible said that the kings are going to shut their mouth. And the day's coming when the highest man of honor on the earth, it'll be his privilege to bow in reverence to this same Jesus. As I just said, I'm astounded. I don't think Isaiah even understand understood what you and I understand. Brother Keith, they didn't have the sight and the knowledge that we have. But if Isaiah got that tore up about what little he did know. My brother, how much more should we go to get tore up about what we do know? We understand what Isaiah was talking about. We have the benefit not of prophecy. But we have the benefit of history that's yet coupled with prophecy. I, I, I'm in agreement with Brother voice tonight. When he said Isaiah 53, I punched Joe. And I said, oh, no, oh, that's what I'm preaching on. And so the whole time he preached, I was hoping he wouldn't preach too good unless he'd tear up my message. But he went and done it anyhow. And I'm to agreement tonight until we again get our eyes back on the dear Lamb of God. Quit letting it be a Sunday school lesson or a or a, or a, or a sermonette or, or a school something that we're trying to school our head and get back, thank God, that God, the very God that created the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe, allowed his son to crawl in a body of flesh and blood and come down here and down across for something. Something, brother like me. Until we see Him. We say this statement, and I wonder sometimes, and I'm not trying to be ugly, and I'm trying to close, but we say this statement so much, but I really wonder how much we really mean it. It's just all about Him. But then we don't ever talk about Him. That's right. We sing songs that don't sing about Him. Yes, yeah. We preach sermons that's about everything but Him. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm trying to shut up here. It's like, Brother brother Ronnie, we're going to have you a birthday party. How old are you, Brother Ronnie? You won't care. T- huh? I thought, man, you're just about the same age. I'm just better looking than you are. And, uh, and, uh, we're gonna have Brother Ronnie a birthday party. It's for Brother Ronnie. We bring Brother Ronnie into the building. which we're having Brother Ronnie a birthday party. We bring Brother Ronnie into the building. We put him back there in a the room. We never mention his name. We never sing happy birthday to Ronnie. We never give Brother Ronnie a birthday party gift. We have no cake for Brother Ronnie. We all do our own thing. Then we leave. Brother Ronnie must say, I thought they said this was about me. I thought they said this was about me. I didn't even hear my name mentioned. They didn't sing no song to me. They didn't give me no gift. They didn't shake my hand and hug my neck. I thought it was about me. We come into our churches in these days. We say it's all about Him. But we sang songs. ain't about Him. And we preach all sorts of messages. It ain't about Him. And we testify, but we don't talk about him. And then we go out the door, and Jesus must look over to Father and say, "Father, they said it's all about me. It's all about me. But I didn't hear my name mentioned. I ain't trying to be ugly. I'm done, I promise you. I've asked God in the closing years of my life Brother Tim McCullough, God knows I'm telling the truth. I've asked God by the rain in the closing years of my life I've asked God to let me see nothing. Paul said I've determined I've determined to know nothing among you. The Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Amen. I want in these closing days of my life. I want to get a glimpse of him who's altogether lovely. I do. The tilt, I really do. I'm reading a book, I won't tell you the author. You'd get mad at me. It ain't Joel Myers, by the way. <laughs> it's by a Calvinist, one of the more well known Calvinists in our day. And I'm not a Calvinist, by the way, don't misunderstand me. I'm closed. And it talks about a returning to the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And here's what he said in the book, and I think he's 100% right. He said that what destroyed the churches in England by even the testimony of unsaved uh, political men, (coughs) that what, what destroyed the churches in England was one thing. The things of God became academic. They came academic with no heart. And they substituted what they thought was started academics. They substituted finally no doctrine with feel-good religion at the expense of not teaching the doctrines of the righteousness, the redemption, Reconciliation, justification, remission, and so on. The fundamental doctrines of the Bible. They quit teaching them to their people and they got caught up in a feel good religion. And I want you to listen at me closely. Feel good religion will not work around the cross, it won't work around the cross. But truth magnified by the Holy Ghost, seeing Jesus, it will create a feel-good experience in your heart. So, Brother Keith, tonight I think we have worked together tonight to preach the same thing. Brother Ronnie told me to close out however I wanted to. That's what she told me. Would you come, Panna, just a minute? I I, I want feelings. I, I want my emotions revolving around nothing but Jesus. But I don't want feelings at the experience of truth, at the, at the expense of truth. My desire for every last one of us tonight, every single last one of us, before this meeting's over, we go home. We see him. I'll tell you what, you see and you see him. The next thing you see and you see him, you look at yourself. Yes, and you see yourself as a nothing, yes, and an absolute nobody. And all of a sudden, you sight, all you can see is him. Not just him, beaten, bruised, and battered but him exalted and him extolled him purified people and him proclaimed Amen. can I ask you this I've signed thousands of Bibles in my lifetime across the country I've signed every one of them Philippians 3 10-14 and verse 10 is my favorite verse in all the Bible that I may know him the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death I want to know him I wish I could tell in my heart I, I want to know him I want to know him I want to know what pleases him I want to know what he delights in that's what I want to try to do he's a lover of my soul He's fairer than 10,000 to me. I love him. Not like I ought to. I'm just honest about it. I'm not loving like I ought to. But, Brother Epps, I'm, I'm trying to hush. Could you imagine tonight that'd change our churches? we got our eyes off of our politics and our problems. And the wickedness in the White House. Everybody went out here. Some years ago we had a young boy to get saved at our church. A young man get saved their our church was having revival. A bunch of preachers was there. A preacher friend of mine was an older man. He was there and he stood third seat. And this boy just got saved, stood on the seat right behind him. And there's just something about that first love. You just, you, just, you just caught up with it. The meeting was over that night and we'd had a big time and this boy stopped at a gas station to get gas and that preacher right in front of him, standing right in front of him, that boy went over to witness to him. He said, Sir, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? That preacher said, Son, I sit right in front of you tonight in church service. Didn't you see me? He said, Sir, all I could see tonight was the Lord. Amen. I didn't see nobody else. Yeah. Amen. That's a true story. Amen. Amen. Okay. We could just leave here tonight, brother said. I didn't see you folks. But I did see him. He walked in among us tonight. I need to see him, Brother On more in his days than I've ever. I need him. I need to see him. I need to get a hold of him. Let's all stand. Alders altar's open. If you need to come, say, Lord, let me see you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you come tonight and say, Lord? Lord, let me see you. Help me extol you. Lord, help me proclaim you. Every preacher in this building tonight, it ought to be the desire of your heart more than anything else to see Him, to get consumed with the Christ of Calvary, the Christ of the empty tomb, the Christ of the seated throne, the Christ of the coming kingdom. If you're lost tonight, He'll save you. Oh, friend. Oh, friend. He loves you with an everlasting love. I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling you tonight, two messages virtually the same. God's trying to tell everybody in this building, preacher and preacher's wife, what you need is to get a new glimpse of Calvary, a new glimpse of Christ. He who didn't have to come The soul loved us that He did. He that could have called 12 legions of angels but didn't to redeem you and I. Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm so glad He did. I'm so glad He came. Oh, I'm so glad He came. Who and what? are you consumed with tonight? What's the greatest thrill and joy of your life? Who owns the reins of your heart? That I may know Him. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. Him. Fellowship of His sufferings. Power of His resurrection. Paul said not as though I already attained or had already apprehended, but I follow after. I follow after. This one thing that I may apprehend that for which I'm apprehended of Christ. I want to know Him, Paul said. I want to know Him. Lord, help us. Lord, help us.